thank you, Lord, where there are two or more believers gathered in your name, you are in the midst of them. Where they gather is holy ground. You enter in and you change the atmosphere and you make it holy ground. And nothing idle and lazy and wicked and dark can stand before you. Just like the idols that fell down and broke before the, your, the Ark of the Covenant. No dark word that would dare raise itself up to be greater than you could stand in your presence. And we come against the spirit of witchcraft now that would try to rear its head and think it knows something more than you do. And we command it to go, be so pointless, so futile, that it be as though it had never been spoken over us in Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you that your word is the last word spoken over Faith Church and the people of Faith Church, over this community, over South Texas. Your word is the last and final only word. You are more powerful than our enemies and we will not speak of their agenda. We will not because your agenda is the only one that matters. And Father, we thank you for everything you do in our lives. Everything. We thank you for everything. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come into this place and to take over. Your spirit is the prevalent spirit in this place. God, we thank you that every person that enters the doors of this church would be saturated with your love. They would know the Father's love. They would know your love. And from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, they would be filled with your love, Father. And only your words would be powerful in their hearts and their minds. And you, you would reap a harvest of your powerful words in their lives. And you would saturate all of us with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse us of the carnal nature that wants to fight against your spirit. Cleanse us, mighty God. We thank you, Lord, that such a time as this, we were called to stand and declare that you are God and you are real and you love us. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you are bigger than any agenda. You are bigger than any assignment the enemy can ever dream up. Nothing compares to you. Depression will not stand against your mighty joy. I thank you that lack will not stand against your blessing. I thank you, Lord, that your integrity inside of us will be what people see. In Jesus' mighty name, God, I thank you. I ask you to bless this message and bless each one of us. Bless, bless, bless every aspect of our lives. God, this is your house, and we are your children. You take control of us. Let us be everything you want us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
We've been working on a series called The Well-Built Life. And it's based off of Matthew 7, 24-27. And it is, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. You can't just listen. you got to follow it. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. So we want to build our lives on everything that is good and from the Lord. We don't want to have any stones built in our foundation that would not measure up to the weight of, of all that God needs us to do. So we're building our lives on the Word of God. Because there is nothing better. 2 Kings 6.23 talks about the children of Israel, the armies of Israel, were fighting against the Armenians. The armies of the Armenians had the king of of uh, Aram would set traps for the army of Israel and he would go to his lead military leaders and he'd say we're going to go over here we're going to set up this ambush and then the the army the Israelite army will come and we'll get them and we'll annihilate them we'll take them out but Elisha would hear from the Lord all that they had planned against Israel and he would go and he'd tell the king of Israel all that, that, that the Arminians were planning against them. So every time they would go and ambush Israel, they weren't there. They had moved to someplace else. And it happened so many times that he really thought he had a traitor in his army. And he confronted his army and he said, who's the traitor here? Who's telling our plans to, to the Israelites? And his, like, his soldiers were, it's not them, it's not us, it's not us. It's Elisha. Elisha can hear what you say right in your own bedroom. And he tells the Israelites... Talk about making yourself a target. <laughs> so, so he decided that he was going to take out Elisha. So he sent his entire army to where Elisha was camped. And the next morning, Elisha woke up and was surrounded by a massive Armenian army. And his servant says, what do we do now? And Elisha says, don't be afraid. For there are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see into the spirit realm. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he looked all around the hillside. And it was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So literally, there's these two guys that look completely like they're on their own, facing an entire massive army. And yet, in reality, there were more on their side than there was on the side of the enemy. They didn't bring enough men. So Elisha said, Father God, I pray that every Armenian soldier would be blind. And they were instantly made blind. And then, like the smart guy he is, he led them to Samaria, right to the army of Israel. And then he commanded their eyes to be open, and they could see. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's interesting that the king of Israel fed them and then sent them on their way. <laughs> sort of humiliating them. It's like, nice try guys. God's on our side. There's more on our side than theirs. So we have to decide what are we going to trust in? We have to make a decision whether we are going to be people of faith in God or people that are, that are looking only at the natural and the carnal and what we can think and reason in our own mind. What we can do in the natural. Because we have to decide if God is more powerful than our enemies. If you're serving a God that is afraid of your enemies, you're not serving God. He created your enemies. He is not afraid of our enemies. Not one demon gets him to stay up late at night, awake, fretting over what they're going to do. In Matthew 26, 52, it says, they had the, the uh, Roman soldiers had come to take Jesus away. They had tied him up. They were taking him away in handcuffs. And Peter, praise God for Peter, he pulls out his sword and he's going to defend Jesus from the Roman soldiers and die if need be. But Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword. Don't you know that in an instant I, command, I could command legions of angels to come and defend me? The reality, the true reality of the situation was that he surrendered himself to the cross. No one had the power to take him. He had the authority and the armies of heaven at his hand. Uh, there, there's a, uh, one of my husband's favorite movies is about a guy named Alvin C. York. He's Sergeant York. Does anybody know that movie or that guy? Oh, yes. Okay. He, um, he was uh, working to build a farm for himself in Tennessee. And he was working really hard and he had his plans. And he was, he was suddenly confronted with the fact that World War I was happening. And he would have to go fight. And he didn't want to because he didn't believe that it was right to kill a, a, a person. So he was determined he was going to go into the mountains and hide out. And if anybody came to find him, he was going to shoot him. And suddenly it dawned on him. I forgot the Lord, he said. I'm never going to forget the Lord again. And he meant it. And God knew he meant it. And God went with him in World War I. He became the most decorated soldier in all of World War I. He won, he, he raided and took 35 machine gun nests, killing 25 enemy soldiers, taking 132 captive. What he did was miraculous. He made his way without getting harmed to 35 different machine gun nests that were barricaded you remember World War I, that was all about digging a hole and setting it out. These places were barricaded and yet he went right in there and shot all these guys, took out 35, 35 machine gun nests, all without getting one shot. 
And then him and seven others took 132 captives and, and put them in prison. You gotta, you gotta know, when you say to yourself and mean it, I'm not gonna forget the Lord. I'm going to consider the Lord in all my ways. I'm going to consider His power over what I see happening in the natural. I'm going to see His plans over what I see manifesting in the natural. That's what that means. Now you may think, well, I'm not Alvin York, and I'm not Elisha, and I'm not Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, you don't have to be. Because in 2 Kings 7, there were, uh, the Armenian armies came back and tried again to take over Israel. They had surrounded Samaria to the point where nothing went in and nothing came out and the people were destitute and starving. And at the city gate in Samaria, there were four lepers. And they decided, you know, if we stay here, we're definitely going to die. Why don't we surrender ourselves to the Armenian army? And if they kill us, hey, we're going to die anyway. So these four lepers started walking, if you can imagine, lepers. They're just guys. They're walking. You know, maybe they have their head covered in bandages or missing a nose or their arms are decrepit or whatever has happened to their mortal body. And they're making their way to the Armenian army. Four lepers. Now you got to know, their lives at that point weren't significant by any measure. And yet, at this moment in time, these four lepers marched into the Armenian camp. And it was completely empty. Because the Lord had caused these four simple Lepers to sound like armies of chariots and horses. And they were so terrified that on the, the, the precipice of victory, they took off in a panic, leaving their horses, all that they belong all that belonged to them, their food, their stockpiles of food, they left everything behind. And they took off in terror. From four lepers, God used them to terrify an army, an entire army. And so they went into town and they started eating. And the, the, they had a good time. They were eating and drinking. And they finally decided, well, you know, we better go tell everybody else that we've got all this food out here. So they liberated the entire city. Four people who felt powerless in society weren't even, were, were on the outside of society. Four simple men who were ill changed and saved an entire city because God was with them and God chose to use them. He could have used anyone. He used them. And you know, there's so many things the enemy wants us to focus on right now in our society. You know, there's those GMOs. I have heard preachers almost preach sermons glorifying how GMOs are going to destroy our society. You better, <laughs> you better get right with God because the GMOs are going to kill you. And, and the voting corruption, the Lord spoke to me 
years ago because I had watched this stupid documentary about uh, corruption in the voting, the voting fraud. And it looked like we'd never have a legitimate election ever again. Like the, pe the people who think they run the world, they would choose who our leaders are going to be. And the Lord spoke to me, he says, I'm bigger than voting fraud. And he's bigger than GMOs. And he is bigger than any government corruption anywhere in the world. He is bigger than race wars. He's bigger than sickness. He's bigger than cancer. He is bigger than anything this world can try to cough up against him. But the Lord said, you have to fight and focus and train your mind to feed your courage. Otherwise, you will fall for anything the enemy throws at you. Any fear, anything. All the times you wake up in the middle of the night and you're afraid of something. The Lord said, you train your, your mind like a soldier trains his mind to block out anything except for your leader's prospects for your life. So when we renew our mind to God's power, you know, seriously, we, I've grown up in the church. I've read all these stories since I was a child. Think about this. Think these are real people. Elijah was as real as you and I. And when he told those soldiers to be blind, they were blind. The same power that resided in Elisha resides in every one of us. And we can choose to feed that power or we can choose to feed the powers of the world around us, the carnal things that seem so much more real. But we can renew our mind in the miracles that God has done for us in the past and the ones he will do for us in the future. There was this girl who went around she had come out of work, and she was all by herself late at night. And she was traveling to her car, walking to her car. And there was a group of, I don't know how many gangsters, you know, rough people. And she could see them coming at her. And she's like, oh my word, what do I do? What do I do? And she's like, oh, Jesus, she's a believer. She called on the Lord. And suddenly, this entire gang of hoodlums turn and run like their pants were on fire away from this tiny little woman all by herself in the middle of the night. And she found out later that what they saw was not a little woman in the middle of the night. But there was a warrior about 10 feet tall that the convenience store owner had seen. And they were reacting to the warrior, the angelic warrior that stood in front of her declaring her off limits in in Matthew 13 31 to 33 Jesus used an illustration he said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field it is the smallest of all seeds but it becomes the largest of garden plants and grows into a tree and the birds come and make nests in its branches. And he, used, he said, the kingdom of heaven is also like the yeast, the tiny, have you seen yeast? Yeast is very, very tiny, that a woman uses to make bread. When she puts only a little yeast in her flour, it permeates every part of the dough. 
And we have to understand. We say we're part of the kingdom of heaven. We're part of the kingdom of God. We have to understand exactly what we are a part of. God said that even the tiniest seed or a little bit of yeast grows to become this enormous thing. And you've seen believers, when they first come to the Lord, they get a tiny little bit of a smidgen of truth in their lives. And then in 20 years, they're these insurmountable, unstoppable warriors of God. Because we are a part of the kingdom of God. And it is so much more than what we think it is. We're so afraid of everything. We forget exactly who we are and what we're a part of. The devil made a a huge mistake this week. Huge. He tried to remind me of my past. He was like, oh, Victoria, you've come through so much. You remember when these people were mean to you and they did all this stuff to you? Because the devil's dumb. He has to talk. He has to have a dumb voice. And I thought, suddenly it reminded me of everything I've overcome. (sighs) I just feel good saying that. It reminded me that I am a victor and I am not a victim. That everything people spoke about me, I did the opposite. Because the Spirit of God inside of me is the only thing that matters. That truth back there that tried to cling to me and destroy my life didn't stand a chance. And so I got to think about all that God had done for me and I got to praise the Lord for bringing me through and making me a warrior and an overcomer. And then I got to say thank you to the most powerful being and loving Father ever. You know, we are never more powerful when we are thanking God. When we are thanking God for loving us and loving us enough to triumph for us and be our victor. In Matthew 16, 26 through 37, it says, A kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, oh, I forgot to tell you, the prelude to the story, is that Jesus had done miracles. And he had healed people. He had cast out demons. And so they accused him of casting out demons by the power of Satan and not the power of God. And so he said, a kingdom divided itself will not stand. If, if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so why? So they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. And that is Jesus Christ. But the, the natural carnal mind would rather say, well, Satan has the power. You're cast, you can only do miracles by the power of Satan. You can only cast out demons by the power of Satan. Our carnal mind wants so bad to cling to the carnal things that we see around us. You know, you know I don't know if you've ever heard people 
who say, oh, this cancer that Brother Joe has is really a bad cancer. This is bad news. Oh, this family is going to have such trouble. Oh, these people, they've lost their job. They're never going to get another one. I don't know if you've ever been around people like that. Run! They're opposing everything that God wants to bring into a person's life. They're opposing God's will in your life, His plans. They're opposing God. They're not fighting us. They're fighting God. In, in verse 30 it says, Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So any time... So, so I'm going to keep reading. I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except for the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which, is, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven in this world or the next. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, the fruit is good. If a tree is bad, the fruit is bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you will say. Alright, I'm going to read that again. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So what we focus on when we renew our mind, it is so powerful because when we are focused on God and God alone, we're afraid of nothing. And we'll speak out faith and not fear. We'll speak out God's agenda and His plans, not the enemy's. Because out of our heart, we speak the fruit of what's there. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of their heart. And here it is. I tell you this. You must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. I looked up the word idle, and it says empty Worthless, useless, vain, lazy, frivolous, trivial, vain. It doesn't mean that they're not powerful. What he's saying right there is the words you speak, whether you're speaking about the president or, or some guy you don't approve of, the words that you speak out of your mouth that come from your heart will either condemn you or acquit you. If you speak out faith and mercy and belief in God, that will acquit you. It will, God will hear it. He will recognize it as being from Him. And He will pour His power into it. But if we're speaking out idle, faithless, stupid words over somebody, it doesn't have to be our own selves. If we speak out idle words, then we're giving power to demons. The Lord showed me one time years ago, I had been repeatedly talked about, about by this other lady minister and the Lord showed me he said here's what my people don't understand is that you choose sides when you speak and when you speak out the blessings of God that's why the Lord says for us to bless the people that curse us because if you speak out the blessings on them the blessings come back to you if you speak out the curses the cursings come back and this woman had kept cursing me and cursing me and she would she would speak these words to people all around, other different ministers, be careful of this 
Victoria person. She did this and that and this. And it was all just crazy. And people would come to me and they'd tell me what she was saying. And the Lord showed me that she's speaking words to different people. And it's exponentially growing. But no matter how big that... Okay, what he showed me was that every word was attached to a spirit. So when she would speak it, she was giving those she was giving access into her life to those spirits. When when the people that she was speaking it to and were listening to her, she was also opening up their minds and their lives to the spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like demons. Okay? I don't want to be around them. I don't like them. So when she was opening that up to herself, she was exponentially pouring out this army of demons. My life was blessed. My ministry catapulted during this time. It grew leaps and bounds. God did amazing things for me because he saw that I was being treated unfairly and unjustly. But this woman, she barely has a ministry left today. And so many people that she talked to came to me and said, I don't even want to be around her. And I wasn't the only one she did this to. She has armies of demons' words that were connected to spirits that were working and operating against her. So this is a picture of how devastating our words. There's a, there's a saying that says, you create the world you live in. We create our own world, not just by what we say, I'm rich and I'm powerful and I'm skinny. It's not, what we, it's not by what we say about ourselves. It's what we say about the people that God loves, the people that he's fighting for to save when we speak negative, fearful things, the enemy's agenda, and we are fighting against God's plan. And it will come back on us. Every word is a responsibility. It's a responsibility. The, the Bible says you will give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. I don't know about you, but that makes me think about my past. Think times when I, I'd leave a church service and Steve and I'd be like, well, I didn't like it when he talked about this and I don't agree with this and I don't think this is very good. And I said, oh, Jesus, have mercy. God, have mercy. Have mercy on every one of us because we're all growing. We're at different places in our lives. And, and now I know what I was doing was wrong. Now I know. And as we know will be held even more responsible for the things we speak. And so when you're speaking something, you're just like speaking out negative because you're afraid and you let fear come into your mind and you, all of a sudden you just got to stop what you're doing and say, no, Lord, I'm on your team. I will not work against you. My words will be powerful. These people will be amazing. In Jesus' mighty name. Because I know that's your plan and your agenda and I'm on your team. And I will be, I will Produce the fruit that will make you happy and proud because I love you with my whole heart and I will not give up. You know, sometimes I don't want to be around people because they're just like crabby at me or, or whatever's going on in their lives, but I don't ever stop loving them. I've tried. I've tried really sometimes. I just, I don't know why, I just can't stop. I can't. I can't hold it back. It has to be God because I am not that good. <laughs> but I can't stop loving people. I can't stop feeling pain when they're hurt. 
I can't stop being sad when I see them do stupid stuff that I know they're going to reap because in my heart, Jesus lives there and he's committed much more than I. So we have to be accountable for these faithless words that are empty and work against God and his, his plans. Are we going to be a glass half empty person or a glass half full? You know, you see a lot of stuff like this shooting going on. It'd be easy to be terrified and think the whole world's going, going up in flames. But what I see is God behind the scenes shaking governments, shaking cities, shaking nations, shaking his church. So don't get in arguments with people. Confront their behavior. That's one of my weaknesses because it's like when people come to me and they're like, um, they say they have an opinion about something, I want to be like, well, no, 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 here's, here's what I think. And there you're off into some argument. What we really need to do is we need to stand back and say, you know, what, what is your goal? What are you trying to achieve? What's, why, why do you have this opinion? Let's go at the core, deep-rooted system in their heart and their mind that makes them hold the opinions that they do. Because then you'll be able to get rid of the fruit that was planted there by the enemy, by the world, by the carnal mind. So we don't talk about the problem. We, talk, we don't talk about everything that could go wrong. We tell the problem what my God says about it. That's one of the, the things that will, will spike my mama bear. <laughs> I imagine everybody, even the men, have a mama bear somewhere inside of them hiding and lurking. And when somebody gets unjustly treated, you're just like, oh no, no. Lord God, this is what you have designed for this person. No, you're not going to tear them up. You're not going to take them down that road. In the name of Jesus, that's what I call Mama Bear. So we tell our problems. We remind our problems of who our daddy is. We remind our problems of all the times in the past that he has sought us, sought us through. I remember years ago when we were first married, we, we, we were broke. And I told my husband, or we were talking about these bills that we had. And, and I remember, I, I don't know why I still remember this. We didn't even have kids yet. But I turned to Steve and I said, you know, time and time again, the Lord's had our back. He's always had our back. He's never let us down. And it wasn't a couple days later, we got a check in the mail that was more. It exceeded the amount of the bills that we thought were so terrible. We didn't know it was coming. It was a surprise. I don't remember what it was for, but it was money. So our words can save us or destroy us. Our words will be controlled by what's in our heart, so we have to monitor what's getting in there. We can't let the enemy find refuge in our heart. In Matthew 14, 26, Jesus was walking on the water toward his disciples. They were on a boat. And he was walking on the water. And they called out, after seeing Jesus walk on the water, they said, it's a ghost. Don't you think that's interesting? These are the disciples of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he's in miracles before their eyes. And their first thought when they saw him was, it's a ghost, like a power or being of darkness. It's the enemy's power, not God's power. So our first thought a lot of times is automatically going to the fear, automatically going to, this demon is so big, I don't know if I can get victory over this spirit that's attacking me. We automatically want to give credence to the enemy and not to our God. 
I want you to say with me right now, my God, my God. is all mighty. Okay. In, in uh, Matthew 16, 21, Jesus was explaining to his disciples that it was necessary that he be handed over to the enemy and be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter heard him say that and he says, No, Lord, this will not happen to you. This will not happen to you. And this is what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Get away from me, Satan. <laughs> you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things, here it is, merely from a human point of view and not God's. You know, when devastation comes to a life, it is, it's so easy to go back to all the fears that we've had through the years, trauma that we've had. It's so easy to lose sight of the one element, and that is God. That God could be shaking those things in a life that were not right so that he could get them to a place of peace and happiness. But we're so afraid. Even if we see miracle after miracle after miracle, we're so afraid of the powers of, that nature has, the carnal mind has, darkness has. We're so afraid. Even, no matter how often we've experienced the favor of God, we still want to go back to that carnal mind of, what if this happens? We want to fear that thing. That's why it is so important in these last days that we govern more than ever our thoughts and our minds and our words because God is on a mission. I don't watch The View. Does anybody know about The View, that TV show? It's a bunch of women who sit around and they talk. They don't watch it because it is just, it's just dumb. It is like literally the stupid show. I don't know. It's, it's just like God lets you see what, what people are thinking. Every now and then you'll see something erupts from the view. Somebody said this, and, 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 and currently it was somebody saying something about Mike, Michael Pence, our vice president, and man of God in the White House who holds Bible studies, and they're just like freaking out because he dares to talk to God and to pray and to believe in Jesus and to think that God speaks to him. And they're like, he's insane. <laughs> Of course they're going to think, just like they did. He's a, it's a ghost. Jesus was a ghost. Mike Pence is insane. Our vice, we have a vice president that's crazy and cracked up and saying all these crazy things. But why are they saying that? Who are they afraid of? Because we have a man of God in the White House. Everybody. A man of God who now everybody knows, thanks to Joe Bahar or whatever his name is, everybody knows a man of God praying over this nation. Everybody knows now. She just told everybody that he hears from God. She just proclaimed the righteousness of the vice president of the United States. Thinking she was being all important and knowing something, she just told us what God is doing in secret. Because God has a plan, and God wants to shake up the views of Americans. God has a plan and nobody's going to stop him. Not even five women on some TV show in New York City can stop Almighty God. 
You think? Come on, clap. Clap for God. Think about your daddy. Think about his power. Those women, he laughs. He thinks, oh, aren't you cute? Someday you're going to be rolling on the floor, slain in the Holy Spirit. I can't wait for that day. Right now, you just keep talking and declaring my son's righteousness to the nations. So we have a nation that is even a church, honestly. Our church is basically split in a half against those going for God and those afraid of everything, I guess. I don't know where they are going, but I don't want to be a part of that side of it. But we have a nation right now that needs to believe in God. And we, as the children of God, have to set an example. We are commended, we are commanded to believe in God. We are commanded by God to be people of faith, ruled by faith, not by the things we see around us in the natural. And see, so often we want God to heal us, but a lot of the times He wants to heal us from the inside out. And what He's doing in our nation was going on for years. We just didn't know about it. And now it's coming to our awareness, and it scares us. We can either say, oh, the enemy's got America. We're going down now. No, we're not. We're coming up, and the church of God is coming up. The people of God are waking up. They're starting to be the light the city on a hill. We are a light. The faith that we have in our Father God and our intimacy with Him is a light. And who puts a basket over a light? You don't cover a light. You take the, the basket off. You let everybody see because this is the answer to darkness. You are the answer to darkness. You are the answer that God chose and designed to use to bring light into this dark world. And we are on the pinnacle of that light being so bright. I, you know, people say, well, the church of God isn't what it should be. You know what? It is exactly what it's becoming. God is getting in people's hearts like never before and they are waking up. The church is waking up. We are becoming the light like a city set on a hill cast light into the darkness. We are becoming that. And that scares the devil. Faith terrifies the devil. Faith terrifies the natural mind. The natural mind says it's a ghost or it's Satan. Faith is more powerful than any of those things and they have every right to be terrified because he's more than they are. He always has been. This isn't any new news. Your God that lives and dwells inside of you is bigger than any dark power. When you walk into McDonald's, you carry the power of heaven inside of you. I've, had, I've seen this happen so often in my life. There was this airplane ride I was, I was on, and I saw it so obviously, it blew my mind. There were these two people arguing with the stewardess, and they were just vile. They must have been drunk or something, but they were mean. And it, it filled the cabin with this energy that was bad and negative. So I simply went into Superman mode 
And I said, in the name of Jesus, I declare that your spirit, Father God, will be the prevalent spirit on this plane and nothing else will raise its head above your victory and plan for this plane ride. And I have never had a more peaceful plane ride in my life. Those women stopped talking. They all sat down like they were seriously afraid of something. They sat, the, the stewardess went on about her business. And for the rest of the plane ride, I mean, it was just like a baby sleeping in its crib. It was so peaceful. And that's the power that we have everywhere we go. There was a school shooting years ago that did not happen simply because the woman that manned the reception desk was a believer. She believed in the power of God. And she talked him out of killing people for his sake as well as hers. And that's what we're capable of. You don't hear about that because it's not tragic. It's not traumatic. But that's the truth. How many school shootings did not happen? Because people prayed. If the enemy were just as powerful as he wants us to think he is, we'd be annihilated by now. The gospel wouldn't be spreading. It'd be dying. Miracles wouldn't be here. But he's simply not who he says he is. And we've got to stop agreeing with the thoughts of the natural world that try to convince us that the things in the natural supersede and overwhelm the things in the supernatural. Because the supernatural created the natural. The supernatural is the father and creator of the natural. Isaiah 13 14 through 17, it says, Isaiah says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. Talking about the, the people of the world. When you see what I see, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what we see. But they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what we hear. But they didn't get to hear it. Do you understand what that's talking about? Prophes prophesy the things that we are walking through every day. The miracles that happen all around us, we get to comprehend it because we don't make excuses for the power of God. We get to see the hand of God moving and actively working in our lives because we can comprehend that. We are that blessed. We can see the hand of God moving on this nation like never before because we believe in the power of God. We're not making excuses for creation like the evolutionists and the atheists do because we believe. We have the privilege of believing and having faith in our Father God who created us and will never leave us. So I want to pray. Father God, I just thank you for everyone here. And I pray, God, that your spirit 
would go before us and your mighty words of faith will change our minds and change our hearts and you would expose the things that, that, that give credence to our carnal nature. You would pull those out and establish your faith in those places. God, I pray that you would transform. We are all here to see you do mighty work in our hearts and our faith in Jesus' mighty name so that we can be a light when somebody says, I've got cancer, we can say, I've got the answer. When somebody says, I've had a heart attack, we can say, Jesus heals hearts. Because we are here like a city set on a hill, and we will declare the truth of our God. We will declare the truth of who He is everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, I ask for the Holy Spirit to alight on every person here and the Holy Spirit to go with us wherever we go to speak to us constantly of the power of God and the wisdom and the truth of God. And we would be a candle in the darkness set on fire by your Holy Spirit to speak the truth. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we have been chosen by you. And we promise we will, we will try very hard in the name of Jesus to declare your words and not our own. We thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us and you're not giving up on us. Even if you have to send things to wake us up, Lord, we will be awakened and we will be your light. In Jesus' mighty name.